Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Welcome to today's episode of the ISO with myself, your host, Dan Dickow, and SB Live Sports. On the Believe Podcast Network, conversations with experts, typically in the world of basketball. Today, someone I'm excited to hear a little bit more about his journey, his path, maybe the coaching mentors that he's learned from over the years. Quite frankly, he's somebody that I looked up to growing up as a young kid in the Portland area because similar size, similar skill set as players, and he was a fierce competitor. All-American from Duke. Currently the head coach at Arizona State, which is looking like they're going to be able to shock and surprise some people nationally this year. Coach Bobby Hurley. Bobby, I know that was a long intro. I apologize, (laughs) but uh, excited to have you on. How is life in Tempe these days? Uh, Dan, it's it's been uh, pretty busy and it's great to be on the the podcast with you, but it's... uh, yeah, my, my job description has, uh, has changed quite a bit since uh, March 12th when, uh, when we were in Vegas getting ready to play in the conference tournament and, and the virus hit uh, the mainstream and it's just complicated, you know, everyone's world so much uh, the last six or seven months. So just trying to hold everything together, trying to, you know, keep our guys, you know, mentally in a good, good place. It's been a, a real struggle for for our players just not having the routine that they've been used to, not having the freedoms that they've been accustomed to. And so it's been, you know, it's been a, a difficult time, you know, for everyone, but even more complicated uh, for us as coaches to, to navigate our way through this. Yeah, you mentioned the season being shut down. And, and I've asked this question of a number of coaches. How have you improved as a coach, um, whether it was – communicating everything that was going on with your players or building uh, new facets of your philosophy that you want to implement within your program. Um, how have you improved as a coach since March 12th? Yeah, I just think, Dan, that we were very much creatures of habit. We, we have our own set of, of principles, the way we operate, the way we coach. Um, it, it's, I think, made me a little more flexible, more adaptable to circumstances. Um, more willing to, you know, not accept what's happening, but, but figure out, Hey, you know, this is not going to be smooth sailing. We're going to have to work through a lot of issues. We're going to have to show patience uh, and, and a lot of things that you don't necessarily do, but we, you know, just this call is an example, just how we're communicating is, has changed so much with, with the zoom calls with, with our team and recruiting. So it's, uh, it's, taught us some new lessons uh, in a lot of different ways. You grew up um, on the East Coast, just outside New York City. Uh, your dad is one of the, the most um, known names in high school basketball circles. Your brother, Danny, uh, is now a tremendous college coach as well. Did you always figure you were going to get into coaching at some point when your playing career was over? Well, I think, uh, you know, even back to when I was playing at Duke and, and in my high school days and my dad was, uh, was again, my high school coach and I had watched his teams play as I grew up. And I just assumed that, that I would become a coach after college. I didn't think I would uh, maybe make it to the NBA to where I'm a professional 
um, that happens. And so it changed the timeline a little bit. Um, and then I, I went through a period after I retired where I, I felt like I didn't, you know, accomplish what I had hoped for as, as a pro and had some baggage with that. And I just think the grind of, of 20 something years of pushing myself, I, I needed a, a little bit of a breather. So um, got away from the game. I think that kind of refreshed me for when, when I did get back into the coaching thing, I could really dedicate all my energy to it. I looked up uh, your, your record, win-loss record, while you played uh, at St. Anthony's for your dad. It was 115-5. and five. What were those five losses like that night at home or the next morning before practice uh, was getting started? Well, yeah, that's, that was part of the reason that, that you didn't want to lose too often um, <laughs> in my household. It was, uh, it was most likely I'd be, you know, my brother and I had a, had a room in the basement that we stayed in. So, yeah, it was going to be a lonely, a lonely night at the Hurley house um, on a loss. But, uh, yeah, we, it was a great experience for me. It was always something I dreamed of. Uh, again, when you grow up watching all the great teams my dad had and always wanted to be a part of that. Um, so, uh, the preparation that I had too for the next level was uh, was unmatched. Just how we practiced, and we practiced like a college program, and you know we had so many good players uh, on those teams. So it was uh, you know our practices were were more competitive than you know a lot of the games that that we played. So it really helped prepare me for uh, for my days at Duke. You moved on to Duke, and you had tremendous success, all time assist leader in the NCAA, played in multiple Final Fours titles. Was that an easy decision to go to Duke? Because back then, Duke wasn't quite what Duke is now. It was still a program that was very good, but it wasn't necessarily, you know, deemed as the top one or two programs uh, in the country at that time. Yeah, I mean, I grew up as, as a Carolina fan, actually. I, I went to the Carolina basketball camp when I was in seventh grade. Um, and, you know, I watched Jordan hit the game winner in, in 82. And uh, so – it was, it was a complicated decision from that standpoint, but um, Carolina was, was looking at uh, another really good point guard, Kenny Anderson, and, and they thought they had a really good chance to get him. So it wasn't going to be a good fit for me. Um, and then you had the whole Big East. The Big East was outstanding during the 80s, as you know, all the great teams that St. John's and Syracuse and uh, Georgetown and just, uh, so I watched that and I was right in my backyard. So it was tough, but at the visit, did it all for me. I, I was, I was interested in Duke, but getting a chance to go and spend time with Coach K and and listen to him talk about the game, it just reminded me so much of my dad, and I I, I could sense his enthusiasm, how much he believed in me, and that that really mattered. Um, I watched pickup. I saw a guy Christian Leitner, a guy named Christian Leitner playing uh, in pickup. I saw, hey, I might be able to throw that guy the ball a little bit. Um, so I, I looked at it from a, from a, a scope of the point guard. And, um, and then Quinn Snyder was in the program, and uh, he hosted me that weekend and really uh, talked a lot about how his experience being so great at Duke and just had a really good feel for it. So I, uh, I committed right after that visit and uh, wasn't really thinking about Duke like that going into it. It's very similar to, to myself. When I started my career at University of Washington, uh, actually for, for a fellow Duke alum, Bobby Bender, um, 
you know, it, it was good, but not great. But then when I took a visit, when I knew I was going to transfer to Gonzaga, I knew that was the right place for me. It sounded like for you, you found that fit right out of high school and allowed you to excel. I remember being recruited by Bob Bender and him telling stories about him, him recruiting you. Uh, I don't think he coached you once you got to Duke because he became a head coach at Illinois State. But I remember specifically coming off of a, an injury where he shared examples of your determination, your work ethic. He said, I, he said, you got, you had a broken foot. You came back, the doctors cleared you and you spent the next hour on the Stairmaster machine. You didn't kind of ease into it. You just went full bore for an hour. Where did that drive? Where did that competitiveness come from? Well, I, I just think I was always a gym rat. You know, I, I, I played on the playgrounds. So, you know, Saturdays for me growing up were like 12 hours of basketball, like all over the city, all over Jersey City, trying to find the best games. Um, you know, I love to play. Um, I, I think it starts there. I think the competitive drive you touched on, my, my family was super competitive. Um, yeah, I remember that game well. I went up for a layup at Carolina in the first half, and we were undefeated at that time. We were number one in the country, and – I landed on my foot and uh, I, I felt the snap in my foot immediately. Ends up, I played the rest of the half. I went in to see the doctors at halftime and there were no uh, x-ray machines and those things that we have now. So I think the doc said, hey, if you feel you could play through it, play through it. So I played the second half, you know, with a broken foot and we lost the game. We had a shot at the buzzer to win at Carolina and lost. And remember three weeks of being out and uh, Jay Billis and I had a little competition with the Stairmaster. Once I was cleared, he'd, he'd leave a note of how long he did and how many calories he burned. And then I try and, you know, top that. And, you know, so that, that kind of uh, helped me, you know, for those couple of weeks when, when I couldn't play and couldn't help the team. You're obviously now progressed to be one of the, the, the premier coaches uh, at the college level, Arizona state, I thought you guys were poised to maybe surprise a lot of people in the NCAA tournament last year because you seem to be peaking at the right time of the year. You guys have a famous alum, James Harden. You guys are tied into Adidas. You get signature shoes, I'm sure. Do any of your guys realize that you had a signature shoe in the NBA with its? Well, I, it's in, I still have one in my, uh, in my trophy case at the house. So uh, I usually force all the recruits, you know, that, that would come through and uh, on an official visit, if, if I'm having a, something at my house, that, that they're going to see my, my stuff like yeah. that I have. So, and, and that in the zone shoe is, is, is in the case. So it was talked about uh, for sure. Uh, all the guys are forced to see it when they, when they come over for something at my, at my house. That's awesome. I never had the shoes, but I did have the the, the hoodie or, or the, yeah. the the jacket for sure. I remember that was uh, kind of an up and coming brand. Yeah, uh, the gear was pretty good. The shoes, I, I think uh, the technology wasn't quite there yet. I, I would usually bring three or four pairs, you know, with me uh, to a game because I never knew what the bottoms, you know, might blow out. <laughs> Well, hopefully they paid you well enough to, to be able to uh, go with a, a new brand that was trying to make some inroads with basketball because that's hard. Yeah, it's tough, Dan. But, like, it was, like, for me, it was an opportunity. Like, we did a, a national commercial. So, I, you know, you know coming out of, out, of high, out of high school and college, it's like a dream. Like, am I going to be on a national campaign? So, I was a, obviously their featured guy. And um, so, that was pretty special to see that and to, to have that that whole thing happened. Yeah, I had 
PJ Carlissimo on uh, a week or so ago. We're going to release it any day now. And I asked him about the dream team. And he talked about the USA Select team that you were a part of that played and scrimmaged against the dream team to get ready. What was that experience like? It was, it was uh, one of the greatest experiences I've had as, as a player, just a memorable thing because you, the, the level of competition w- was so good that, that it kind of forced my game to either sink or swim. And, and, you know, so, I mean, it started when Coach K told me, it's about two weeks after we won the national championship, he brought me in the office, told me I was selected to the developmental team. And, you know, I just started working and training like I never would at that time of year just because – I was scared that I was going to be just embarrassed and humiliated, you know, in, in these scrimmages. So I was in elite shape when, when I went to San Diego to play and just remember the first day, like it was yesterday, just, you know, our bus rolling up, we getting off, got the butterflies going big time. And, and then their bus pulls up and there's hundreds of people that are going nuts, trying to see these guys take pictures, the whole thing. And, you know, we go into uh, into the gym, and they're going through their their uh, warm up, and and then they're starting to practice for like an hour. And I thought, like my thing is, these guys have all won championships; they're Hall of Fame players. They're not going to go that hard today. They were like going like 110 miles an hour. I was like amazed how hard they were working, how crisp they were passing and moving the ball and communicating and. So I'm even more nervous, you know, now uh, seeing what they're doing. And then we were given like two minutes to, to take some layups after we watched them for about an hour. That's not very and, fair. No, I mean, <laughs> the, the deck was already stacked against us pretty good. So we could have used a little more time to get warmed up. But, um, yeah, we, we played. I think we were just a touch quicker that day. Um, you know, they were overpassing a little bit and, and everything's clicking. But. You know, as the week went on, we were, you know, it became just a lopsided mess, um, you know, for us to to compete. And I, I remember they had some lineups out there where they had like Pippen, Jordan, and and Clyde Drexler, and and I couldn't get my shot off, and it was it was it was really rough, uh, you know, playing against those type of guys. But it was an amazing week. I mentioned in our intro that you were one of the guys that I looked up to as a player yourself. Mark Price, John Stockton, because I looked at you guys as, hey, if they made it and they're a similar size, athletic ability, maybe there's a, sh- there's a chance for me if I work at it. Who would have been your kind of guiding figures that you looked up to and, and kind of used as a, as a role model to say, hey, they made it, I think I can too? Yeah, good question. I, I remember um, watching, um, you know, obviously Isaiah Thomas. I, I love to dribble. I uh, – I felt like when I played, I had had the ball in a string. Um, I liked the creativity of 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 going off the bounce, and I kind of watched him a lot, you know, growing up. And even in my neighborhood, my, my neighbors said they were happy when I left to go to college because the ball stopped bouncing all the time, just you know, going to the court or whatever. And um, so, uh, yeah, I would say his uh, Isaiah's creativity, his his quickness, his ability to handle the ball, and all those things I, I watch pretty closely. You guys have most of your roster returning uh, to Arizona State this year. Remy Martin's probably going to be uh, a premier player in the Pac-12, got a chance maybe to be a Pac-12 player of the year. Uh, what is the outlook from your perspective this year to 
live up to the potential? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's been a tough offseason not having the reps, not having, uh, you know, the guys in a consistent routine and just all the protocols. And um, we were just given the green, green light a couple of weeks ago for our players not to wear masks during workouts. So it's, uh, you know, with the new testing program we have in place, that's, that's eliminated that. Um, so, you know, you always feel like you're behind or you don't have enough in right now, uh, you know, with just a few weeks away, but there's a lot of talent in the gym. Uh, our, our practices have been super competitive, especially on the perimeter. You know, you, you touched on Remy, another guy, Lonzo Verge, um, you know, he led the nation uh, in scoring off the bench and, you know, he and Remy were, so, were a tremendous one-two punch you know, the last 10 games of the season, Alonzo uh, Burge really took his game to a different level. And he is, uh, he's on a mission right now, just looks fantastic. You know, those guys are going at it pretty good. Um, Josh Christopher is a top 10 player, 6'5 guard in the 2020 class. So, you know, I just think we have a, a lot of weapons on the perimeter, even a, a guy like uh, Holland Woods that's a, a transfer from Portland State. He averaged 18 a game last year. Uh, and, and, you know, now he's going to be in a, in a different role, but he's another guard that could really make plays. So we're, you know, we're going to have a lot of firepower, you know, offensively, and it's going to come down to the commitment to, to play the right way and play unselfishly. Well, you mentioned a lot of really skilled guards. And if you have skilled guards, you want to have more possessions in a game. And you guys play maybe as fast as anybody in the country, uh, both in pace as well as points per game. How did you come up with with your philosophy? Was it one particular coaching mentor, or is it a blend of a number of guys? I think it's a blend. I mean, I, I probably modeled, you know, my coaching philosophy the most after the time I had my brother. I think the three years as an assistant coach, just seeing how he conducts practices, you know, we will use uh, a lot of the drills that, that Dan used at Wagner in Rhode Island. Um, but just more of the mentality. You know, I think in my household growing up in the city and my, te- my dad's teams at St. Anthony's were really hardcore man defense, pressure, you know, create turnovers. So, you know, we're trying to use our speed here at Arizona State, quickness of the guards to, to try and generate tempo. Uh, and, and to force teams to play a little quicker than they may want to. And, and that's where you're, you're going to get those, those extra possessions uh, that you talked about. And then, you know, I think some of my, my history at Duke, Coach K gave us, you know, great freedom to play. You know, we were high-scoring teams. We, 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 we focused on getting stops and then, and then trying to push and get out in the open court. We had, you know, guys like Grant Hill, and I had all kinds of guys on the wings that I could get the ball to. So – we tried to model some of what I did there um, here at Arizona State in terms of being a team that could score. I think, uh, you know, our fans have really turned out the last couple of years because we've been, you know, an exciting team to watch. We're not going to be the type of team that's going to want to walk it up and, and play a game in the 50s. So that's just, uh, you know, kind of I guess you're, you're built on, you know, all your experiences. Yeah, that's uh, it's definitely a style that I like watching. Uh, hopefully this season I'll get a chance to broadcast an Arizona State game or two uh, with the Pac-12 network. But I want to – last question, Coach. You played with some really good players at Duke, Christian Leitner, Grant Hill. I'm sure you followed the program very closely. 
is there one other Duke player that you didn't play with that you've seen over the last, you know, 20, 25 years that you wish you would have had a chance to play with them because of their skill set or maybe their, their leadership? Yeah, I mean, there's, there, that's a good question. I mean, you could start with a guy like Shane Battier. I think he had great intangibles, great leader, you know, just did a lot of things well. I, I, I appreciate guys that, that aren't one-dimensional, that, that could do a lot of things well to help you win. Um, but I would probably say Jay Williams because he's, he's a Jersey guy. And, and um, I think my assist totals w- would have gone up considerably if, uh, if I had a chance to play with, with a guy like him. And he, uh, you know, he was just so, uh, so special, so explosive, uh, and, and can put points on the board. So uh, me being more of a pass-first uh, guard, I think that would have been a nice nice backcourt fit. That would have been a difficult backcourt to deal with because, yes, most people know him as a point guard, but he brought the ball down the floor as a point, yeah. but then he became a two, and he was yeah. a pretty darn good shooter. So yeah. uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, complain or, or argue that one for sure. So, Coach, I appreciate the time. I look forward to uh, the college basketball season pick, picking up and in, in playing some games in the next few weeks. I wish you guys nothing but the best, and thanks for joining. Thanks, Dan. Stay safe and healthy, and it was, it was great catching up with you, man. The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.